Hello and welcome to Healthline 3. I'm Terry Simmons. May is Better Hearing Month, so today we're talking with Marshall Craig, Hearing Instrument Specialist at Paget Hearing Aid Center in Texarkana. We'll be taking your calls as usual throughout the show, and as a reminder, please make sure you're in a quiet room with your TV turned down all the way before making your call. The number is 318-219-4569, and you can call us to talk directly with Mark to Marshall about your hearing aid questions, your hearing questions, everything you need to know. Hi, Marshall. Thanks for being here with us today. Hi, Terry. Thanks for having me. Glad to be back. It's wonderful to have you back, especially during this month with it being Hearing Awareness Month. So let's talk about that again. What does that really mean? And can you share some ways that we can make hearing a priority this month and all the time? Sure, absolutely. I mean, I think it's something that uh, it gets lost in the battery of testing and, and wellness that we think of. Uh, it's an annual event that, that happens every year, uh, and it's really about raising awareness uh, about hearing and speech problems and to encourage people uh, to think about their own hearing and, and, and get their hearing checked, at least get a baseline for what's going on. Just so you know, there may not be anything going on, but uh, too often okay. there are unidentified losses and the longer it goes, the, the worse it gets, the harder it can be to fit and correct. Okay, and that's really good information because like you said, it's hearing. our hearing isn't something we worry about or probably don't even think about getting tested unless there starts to be a problem, is that correct? Sure, I, I think most of the time hearing loss comes in the form of a gradual fade over years and years and decades. Uh, obviously it can happen abruptly and there's a sudden uh, onset loss, but most of the time it's a gradual fade and the sounds that used to be there in the past all of a sudden aren't ultimately affecting clarity and understanding the longer it goes. Okay, and we talk about the word baseline, getting a baseline uh, checkup so we know. So for people who aren't really familiar with that term and what it really means, what does baseline checkup mean and why is that so important? Sure, it's uh, very simply getting a score, a reading uh, of an audiogram so that we can compare what the issue may be, if there is hearing loss and what's the severity of it, or is there no hearing loss and we're hearing normal. Uh, I think it's understanding that baseline, we have an initial reading, we have a starting point. So whether there is or isn't, that gives us something to refer back to. How are things changing? Is it stable? Are we having uh, some issues that ultimately affect how we program the hearing aids? Because all of that information is based off of the audiogram that we do. So it really does give more information because someone might be listening and going, I think I know if I can't hear very well, you know, so I don't need that baseline. I know if it's changed, but sometimes to hear it technically pulling out the report from before, this is how well you've been hearing and now we're having some problems, let's test again and then we can see. So it's kind of like that second opinion, yours and the technician who's going to be helping you out. And also it gives you more information on where to start with a hearing aid, right? Absolutely. That's that's the first thing we're going to look at. Is there a loss? What's the severity? How do we need to tackle this to, to make correction? Uh, also, something that, that you had mentioned, there's a, there's a difference between hearing and understanding. And I think that's the biggest uh, thing that we see on a regular basis. 
someone coming in, I hear fine. I hear all this, you know, everything around me, but I don't understand. And I don't understand as well as I would like to. Why is that happening? And the audiogram, the battery of testing that we do, uh, can tell us a lot of that. You know, it could be something as simple as, as wax in the ear canal. Uh, can create some hearing loss. So if you haven't had anybody look in your ear, if you haven't had a, a hearing test uh, in some years, it's always a good idea uh, to, to get that done because we're finding more, more and more connections to other health issues as we go that uh, stem from untreated hearing loss. And that's a good point too. Uh, if someone might be leery of going getting their hearing tested because they just don't want hearing aids, whatever their preconceived ideas, having a hearing aid, um, just because you you feel like you're not understanding or there might be a hearing loss, doesn't always lead to a hearing aid, right? They seem to come get it checked. That might not be the case. Absolutely, absolutely. Doing otoscopy, so we use a, a video otoscope, uh, so we can see actually the, the TV screen that's behind me is normally hooked up for that. So we can show you on a big screen what the inside of your ear looks like, what the ear canal looks like, the health of that. Uh, is there wax? Is there dry skin? Is there foreign material? Is the health of the eardrum good and correct? We have an infection. Uh, a lot of people have sinus and allergy trouble where they get that fullness behind the eardrum that can ultimately affect some hearing. So it's really, you know, we need to see the same way your doctor is going to be looking uh, in your ears or in your, in your throat to make sure everything looks good. They have their battery that they're going to run. We have a specific battery that we run, but it really starts looking in your ear, uh, having an idea of what we're looking at there. Then we can move into the test if we can you know, eliminate wax or whatever the case may be. And that's really interesting. You mess all this technology, not only with the hearing aids, but what you're talking about with actually testing. So go ahead and walk us through in detail what it's like. I walk in the door and I think I need my hearing checked. How does that first visit go? Sure. So uh, obviously we're going to take some entry uh, paperwork that, that every clinical uh, practice does. Uh, that gives us an idea of what you're experiencing, information that you can tell us, and then we'll sit down together, uh, whether it's myself or one of the other specialists, and, and really talk about what's going on. Why are we here today? You know, is this a preventative thing? We just want to know. Are we actually having some trouble? And really go into as much detail about that particular situation as we can. Everybody is their own puzzle. We've got to figure out what their uh, issues are and ultimately what the solutions would be on the back end. Uh, once we do that, I mentioned video otoscopy. We're going to look in your ears, make sure the health of the ear canal and the eardrum is good. Everything's intact the way it should look remove wax if we need to and then we would hop in our audio booth uh, put headphones or inserts on from there we're going to do something called pure tone testing how you hear different beeps at different frequencies and at what decibel level that is that gives us information to move into our speech battery uh, doing speech recognition doing word recognition uh, there's a test called Quicksend, which is a speech and noise test. We can really see how you're processing uh, when you're in noisy, difficult environments. Uh, and so it's, you know, typically about 20, 30 minutes in the booth. That gives us all the information we need to then explain 
diagnose, make recommendations for hearing aids, and ultimately that information that we took from the booth, it becomes the backbone of the hearing aid and how it's programmed. And that's incredible, everything that you can, you can tell now. And so it says on that screen behind you, can I be watching that? Can I be looking inside my ear and see what you're seeing on that screen? Absolutely, absolutely, that is what it is. So uh, it, it's blown up about 400 times. So it takes the small ear canal and puts it on a big screen like it is behind me. So we can see the different bends, the rises, uh, the curves there, and then actually see uh, the, the setup of the eardrum, see the annular circle, see the umbo, see the light reflection, all things that we're looking for that are core pieces to, is this a proper healthy eardrum? What are we looking at? Has there been perforations, extended uh, or chronic ear infections, things like that that can cause scarring that ultimately affects how the eardrum vibrates and how the rest of the process to the cochlea, to the brain, uh, all that happens. So we're looking for everything to check out. Uh, and in some cases it may not, and that's where we would make a referral to see an ear, nose, and throat doctor, uh, things like that if need be. But a lot of the stuff we can do in-house, uh, we're just looking for uh, particular things to know that everything is correct and on the right track. Okay. and. When the doctor looks, you know, has that light instrument looks, you know, in your ear, what, how much is, how much can they see? What is a doctor really looking for when they shine that light in your ear and look? Uh, mostly the color, you know, is this oh. a clear, healthy ear canal? Is the patient complaining of any discomfort or irritation, fullness? Usually if that's the case, we can see uh, a brighter red color, it's inflamed, uh, but also the health of the eardrum. Is it, is it clear? Is it opaque the way it's supposed to be? Do we have a good light reflection? Uh, or is it dull? Is it heavily scarred? Um, do we get a light reflection? Has, has there been, um, you know, maybe a, a tympanometry uh, formed uh, to, to test that uh, elasticity of the eardrum? Have they had, you know, a patch done on their eardrum? So different procedures can lead to different results that we ultimately want to find out up front and then ultimately look in the canal, see what we're looking at there uh, and analyze it that way. Wow, so what types of things can cause scarring in an ear? So a lot of times if you, if you grew up as a young child with, with ear infections, that pressure that you feel feeling stopped up and having that discomfort in the ear, uh, ultimately if it's chronic ear infections, uh, can create some scarring just like scar tissue anywhere, it's a little bit thicker, uh, not as easily uh, movable, and on the, the membrane that is the eardrum, that can affect the way it vibrates. Uh, if you have had chronic ear infections, had tubes, uh, had your eardrum lanced to relieve that pressure, uh, or ultimately if the eardrum, you know, if you needed to put a patch on it, they call that uh, tympanoplasty, uh, that is beyond what I do, but ultimately things like that can affect that membrane. Uh, it, it's very thin, but it does a lot of work. And anything that's outside of the, the normal membrane and the way it looks can affect the hearing. Okay. Well, Marsha, we have a caller for you. Hello, Margaret. Thanks for calling. What's your question? 
my question is, if you feel like you're having, you know, difficulty, uh, you know, beginning signs of hearing loss, should you go to an ear, nose, and throat first or go straight to the uh, audiologist? Well, I, I think either. Uh, most of your clinics uh, are going to do that, an ear, nose, and throat. An ENT doctor ultimately uh, handles those same things. They're just on a different level, whereas our practice is really geared towards the specialization of hearing aids. Uh, if there is an issue, typically we can see uh, from the outside when we're doing otoscopy and then the, the hearing test. Uh, will give us information that could lead to this is why you're having difficulty or why you're not. Um, you know, I, I think there are some ENTs that do hearing aids, but ultimately their uh, specialization is on uh, the, the full medical side of things, whereas our specialization would be more getting that information and applying it towards the correction with hearing aids if need be. But I, I think you'd, you'd be fine either way. Getting it checked is the number one priority. Okay, thank you very much. Yes, ma'am, thanks for your call. Yes, Margaret, thank you so much for calling. That's a really great question. You know, we just, a lot of times we just don't know where to start. Um, it sounds like we can't go wrong though coming to a place like Pageant Hearing Aid Center in Texarkana because all you're going to do is say, well, maybe not a hearing aid right now, but why not start there? Um, then that ultimately might be what we need. Is that correct? Absolutely. It, it, knowing is the biggest part of it. If, if there's not a need, uh, there's not a need. And that is a great thing that should give you peace of mind. Uh, and we'll have that normal test on file until it's time to do it again. Uh, but for, for our process, I mean, there, there's ultimately uh, rules and regulations that we have to follow. There's certain test results that give us information that this needs to be seen on a deeper level. Uh, we need to make a medical referral and obviously we'll do that if need be. Uh, but a lot of the time we can check and, and know what it is and, and eliminate some of those questions. But if it is uh, something in terms of, you know, inner ear uh, functionality, infections, sinus, allergy trouble, that would be more on the ENT side. What a, a great place to start. I'm hearing you say this and it's, you know, it's so much more that I'm glad you're here. We can tell people that a hearing aid center like Paget is not something only about hearing. When they, when you do that exam, that's when you have that baseline. You may need hearing aids 10 years later, but you come back to you, you've got this. I've already been there. You're already familiar with my situation. And if it is something I need, that's when you direct us who to go to next. So it's so much more than just seeing if I need a hearing aid when we come to you, right? Absolutely, absolutely. We're, we're, we do full service. We obviously handle hearing aids, but it, it's more to the hearing health side of things. Are we aware of what's going on? Why is this happening? What is happening here? And those ultimately come uh, sitting down with a patient and, and figuring out what their specific situations are. As I mentioned before, everybody's their own little puzzle. We don't have a blueprint for you but we can figure it out based on what you're experiencing, what we know, the similarities that we see, uh, and, and we'll take it as we need to. Uh, it's not just coming in and, and we're gonna say you need a hearing aid. If you don't need one, you don't need one, you know, but we, we offer that service uh, when you are ready. 
Oh, Marshall, I love the way that you say that, that everyone's their own puzzle. It makes it so individual and so caring and, and specific to the people who walk through the door. Uh, now I'm going to ask you a Terry question because I love doing this and I love the technical part of it. But we talk about having earwax in our ear and sometimes we can think that's not as big a deal as it sounds. Um, we should be able to remove it ourselves, but it can be pretty extensive. And so can you tell me to what extent earwax can build up can really harm your ear, definitely hurt your hearing, and what are some of the ways that you remove that? Great question. Uh, I think everybody, you know, tends to be kind of scared of wax. Everybody produces wax. That is part of our body chemistry. We all have sebaceous glands in our ear canal. Now, how we produce it, does everybody produce wax the same? The answer to that is no. Some people have very little, have no issue with it. Other people have a tremendous issue with it. And in the world of hearing aids, wax is always gonna be part of the situation. Um, typically, the, the ear canal is going to work the wax out itself. Uh, Q-tips are a big no-no because ultimately you're pushing that back down in the canal, getting it closer to the eardrum, and as the canal tapers down towards the eardrum, that can really create you know, a, a full plug. Uh, up to 30 to 40 decibels of conductive loss can happen with that, uh, that ear wax plug being there. Removing it is good because ultimately if there is loss, we can alleviate some of that. And also making sure that your eardrum is getting oxygen correctly. Uh, the ear canal is its own little environment. It's, it's self-regulating for the most part, but uh, if you have that plug there, it can affect ultimately the, the health of the canal. Is there something going on behind the wax that we can't see? Is it creating loss? So there's there's definitely factors there. I would always say let it work let it work its way out by itself. Let your ear do its work. But sometimes uh, for some people that is not always the case, and they would need professional removement, whether it's in the form of you know using a little curette to pull that out, or, or irrigation, uh, using a water pick pull that water out. So uh, we have the tools and and the ability to do those things. It's more seeing it firsthand, how do we attack it, uh, and, and go from there. I never realized that. I never thought about that blocking oxygen, that your eardrum needs oxygen. It makes perfect sense. It needs oxygen True. to work, right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's a membrane, uh, so the fluid can pass through it. Uh, air doesn't ultimately pass through it, but we need that. It needs to be there so it can create its own ecosystem and stay healthy. And what role does fluid play in our ear? We talk about that being a lot of fluid, maybe dizzy or something. What is there fluid that naturally, is that part of it needing fluid in the air to create that vibration and, and how does that work? So the, the sound waves that we have are all, they're around us. Everything creates noise at different frequencies and different decibel levels. So the way that we hear, you know, very simply, we, we realize it like that snap of a finger, but it's our brain getting that information. Uh, it is the, the eardrum vibrating. It moves the bones that are attached to the eardrum that are also ultimately attached to the cochlea. That vibration of those, the movement of the bones, gives the signal to the cochlea, the snail piece that we all remember from growing up, 
Those hair cells in the cochlea are then stimulated, sending a nerve or sending a signal rather up the auditory nerve to our brain. And all that is happening in fractions of a millisecond. So if there's wax that is on the outside in the outer canal, that can affect what the eardrum is getting, the intensity of how that's uh, working and vibrating. And then fluid on the back end is typically a middle ear issue that inflammation with sinus allergy trouble, uh, all things like that can ultimately affect on the back end how the eardrum is vibrating and what signal the cochlea is getting to then process. So when you get that stopped up feeling uh, that you know you feel like it's either um, my ear is stopped up, water in your ears from swimming, or ultimately it's behind the eardrum and that's where that fluid is. Okay, and you talked about ear infections too, that that might be, we might come to see you, we can't hear or understand, well, it might just be an ear infection going on, which starts with color and inflammation. What is it about an ear infection that, that hurts our hearing? Is it the inflammation and things being so um, sensitive? Yeah, absolutely. Great, uh, great explanation. The ear canal is hypersensitive anyway. It is very thin skin, it's bony underneath, lots of nerve endings, so it's, it's highly sensitive. I think if, if you have ever stuck anything in your ear, don't do it, but it, I think we all have. Uh, you feel like you get too far down in there, you're really only about halfway down into the canal, and it feels like you're you know getting back in your throat or into your head. Um, so, you know, though the inflammation, absolutely. You can see it, it's bright red, and then it's just, you know, irritated. Irritated like anything else would be, an infection on our skin, you know, things like that. So it's all the same concept. It just happens to be in a really small little area that can ultimately affect how we're hearing and understanding. Uh, untreated, um, you know, can really create some uncomfortable situations, uh, rupturing the eardrum itself. Uh, a lot of times things are seen before that, but uh, anytime there's any abnormal feeling in the ear canal, uh, if you feel stopped up and you know, you know, you could have some trouble there, always good idea to get that checked out. Okay, and we talk about children, of course, and young people having ear infections all the time. Do you see many adults coming in with ear infections? Well, I, I mean, it, it varies. Uh, I think a lot of times people know uh, whether whether they're coming to us as a follow-up, I'm currently wearing hearing aids and I've got this going on, I just wanna be sure, or I've had this pain, it's not going away, I've not seen anybody, but I was curious if, if you could help. Uh, once it goes into that, we're gonna make a referral, see your family doctor, see your primary care uh, physician, and ultimately they can lead you in the right direction if it needs to be seen on the ear, nose, and throat, otolaryngology level, uh, that can also be done. But very simply, looking in the ear can tell us a lot. Yeah, and much relief, I'm sure, that <laughs> you told us that. And then, do you, treat the, do you treat the ear infections or do you send them to someone else? We'll, we'll send them to someone else. Like I said, see, see your family doctor. They can typically prescribe antibiotics or if it becomes something uh, beyond that, even more severe, uh, ear, nose and throat doctor would be uh, the route to go. Okay. Now, the answer to my next question might be everyone, but uh, I'd like to know who should really be focusing on better hearing? Is there a group of people? Is there a time to really focus on it? Or should it just be everyone all the time? 
I would love it if it was everybody all the time. I, I think we'd, we'd have a lot more information to go off of and be able to provide that uh, to the public. CDC, I uh, was reading through some information the other day. I mean, typically a lot of what we're seeing now is, is starting younger. I think everybody's had a hearing test at, at some point in their life, typically grade school, something like that. And uh, I'll see people that uh, remember that from grade school, and this is 50 years later, and they've never had a baseline. Uh, a lot of uh, things we're seeing now are starting younger, you know, as pediatric age, uh, from 12 to 35, there's, there's on average 50% of that population of age people are listening to music on a personal device, they're listening to that too loud. Uh, so I don't think it's ever too early to start. Uh, knowing where you stand, typically family history can tell you a lot about what may be in the future for you. Uh, you your family history is gonna dictate a lot of this going forward. So if there's any questions, if there's any family history, uh, I remember when I went to college, at, you know, being around uh, more noise than than I had been previously because my mother had a hearing loss. I figured that there may be something going on and wanted to test. And so let the cues, let the things around you tell you what's going on. Uh, being aware of how you interact with family and friends. Are they noticing something that you're not? Uh, ultimately, it's never too early to get checked. Yeah, and just pay attention. Pay attention to what's going on, right? So sure. what about since last, I know last month we talked about different hearing aids, um, all the different types. Um, since I talked to you last, have there been any updates to modern hearing aids? What's going on? Well, I think it's always, you know, there's always new things being uh, presented. There's all those, those audio engineers, the audiologists, uh, the researchers, everybody that is involved in the manufacturing side, the research and development, uh, never stops. And so going back to, to 50, 60 years ago, really when hearing aids entered the marketplace to where we are now, you see these changes and, and the good things stay and the things that maybe didn't work are, are gonna be phased out. Uh, we are now in the realm of artificial intelligence. So the hearing aids uh, are much smarter and much more efficient, much more accurate to the information that we're putting in them. So if we have a full battery of testing done, we know that we can plug that information in. Ultimately, we have to decide on a comfort level for that patient wearing them. Uh, but the, what the hearing aids can do is so much more accurate now. Typically, things come out every year to two, depending on uh, the brand and the manufacturer. So it, it is a constantly evolving uh continual process of getting better and more efficient uh, every day, every day, every year, for sure. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. I was talking to a coworker right before the show. He asked who was gonna be on. I told him that we were gonna be talking to you again. And I didn't even know that he wears hearing aids. I've been working with him for a few years. I didn't even know. I've never noticed them before. And he was talking about he takes them out at night. He puts them on the charger, then wears them when he gets up the next day. Um, he controls the volume on his phone. So do you have an idea specifically where you'd like to or where you see this technology moving forward? Wow, that's a, that's a great question, Terry. If, if I look at where things were five years ago, I don't know that I would, I wouldn't have seen what all we can do with them. 
that is a, a great uh, example of how you mentioned it. People aren't looking for hearing aids. They're going to notice hearing loss before they notice your hearing aid. Uh, I visually am looking at people's ears because that's my job, but uh, most people aren't. So you're not going to notice uh, them, and it's not the big, you know, big thing that's behind the ear that everybody associates with the hearing aid. Uh, Bluetooth control, streaming for your phone calls, podcasts, uh, music on your phone. You can get alerts. There are brands that have fall detection, uh, alerting you know your loved one if there was a fall. Uh, location services, uh, translation services. You know, there, there's so much you can do with them now that I never saw coming. Uh, so, what is it going to be in five years, ten years? Uh, I, I think the sky's the limit with where they are now. Uh, how do we keep it efficient and in a small package that's visually appealing uh, is going to be the big thing. But we're really already there. I mean, we can have something as small as the tip of my pinky there. Uh, if, we, if we need to go bigger, if we need power, there are options. So there's, it's not just a one size fits all. This is what you have and this is what we got. Uh, we figure out a customized solution for each person based on their boss, their preference, uh, power needs, things like that. Because everyone's a puzzle, right, Marshall? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> All right, gosh, I, this has been fascinating. I, I always learn something more every time you're here. We have about a little over a minute left. Do you want to go ahead and give the phone number and let people know how they can reach you? Sure. So, uh, as you mentioned, Paget Hearing Aid Center uh, here in the Arcla, Texas, we have three locations. Uh, Texarkana, Texas, is at five one two four Summer Hill Road. Number there is nine zero three. 7945839. We've also got locations in Hope, Arkansas at 1206 South Main uh, and also in DeQueen, Arkansas at 307 East Collin Ray. Uh, the number at, at DeQueen, 870 All right. Uh, All right. Thanks again, Marshall, and thank you everyone for watching. We'll see you next time on Healthline 3.